now is the time to welcome up Claire. Claire is, um, yeah, from Woody Central. Uh, I'll let you sort that out if you need to. Um, great to have you here, Claire. And yeah, can, can I pray for you before you talk? Uh, Lord, thank you so much for Claire. Thank you for all that you are doing in her and all that you do through her. Lord, would you speak to us now? Open our hearts. Help us to be soft-hearted towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Tom. Oh, it's so nice to be with you. And it's looking so good here, isn't it? It's amazing. Um, So we're in this series on the Lord's Prayer. I've been following through. And I thought we'd just start by reading it, just to sort of recap Um, the lines of the Lord's Prayer. So let's just read this together. You can read with me out loud. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amazing. And I think, you know, it's very clear in that, in in the lines of the Lord's Prayer, that when we talk about forgiving other people who who sin against us, it's part of a couplet of of, um, lines of the prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. So we're going to talk about forgiving other people. And I wonder what that... um, that subject means to you. I'm just going to tell you a bit of a random story. Um, On Easter Day about five years ago, I got a fish hook stuck in my hand and had to go to casualty and have it removed. Um, The fish hook was in our kitchen, of all places. So this fish hook had been picked up on the beach by one of our sons when he was a little boy. And such is the nature of our sort of family life and not sorting things out. This, hit, this, uh, this fish hook got placed on a little hook in the kitchen, on, on a shelf. And the reason I put it there in my kind of slightly sort of misguided thinking was, if I can see it, it's not going to do anyone any damage, because it was a ferocious-looking hook. It was, um, you know, I don't know if you're fishermen, fisher people here, but it was one with a weight on, and it came, what came down was this sort of really strong metal hook, and it's four, four hooks coming up. Yeah? Anyone seen those before? Anyway, ferocious-looking thing, and um, I had it put away for a little while, and every time I saw it in this drawer, I was like, oh, that's really dangerous. I'm just going to put it really visible. So I stuck it on this hook, thinking my boys wouldn't let me throw it out, so there it was. And it stayed there for a few years. That's the sort of house we live in, I'm afraid. It's a community house, loads of people coming and going. And it stayed there. And then on Easter Sunday, about five years ago, I was cooking the dinner, and I reached past this hook, and for some reason, I just touched it in the wrong place, and it went straight through my hand. Here. Just in the sort of little bit of the skin there. Now, if you know anything about... um, Sorry if this is a bit bit squeamish. It's a horrible thought, I know. It didn't really hurt. I was just really shocked looking at it, thinking, I've got a fish hook in my hand. Who's going to finish making the dinner? It was that sort of feeling. And, um, And I tried to pull it out. And if you know anything about fish hooks, they've got 
barbs on them. I tried to pull it out and it just wouldn't come out. I pulled quite hard and it just wouldn't come out. So anyway, I had to go to casualty and went to casualty. They tried to pull it out. No, couldn't do it. They tried to cut off the hook, couldn't do it. So in the end, they had to cut open my hand <laughs> and remove this, just a tiny little slit just to remove this fish hook. Random story. So why on earth am I talking about hooks? If you have ever tried to forgive someone and, and it's been hard for you, you will know that that thing does not want to come out of you. There is some resistance to forgiveness. It is very contested ground in our lives. <clears throat> I'd love you just to be thinking of maybe somebody in your life that you've had to forgive where you found it hard, and you will identify probably within you this sort of sense of resistance. I just want you to think about that. And now Jesus teaches often on forgiveness in the New Testament. And one of the things he says is don't judge or you will be judged. Don't condemn and then you will not be condemned yourself. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And he quite often kind of accompanies his teaching with this sort of a sense of there are consequences in this territory around forgiveness and judging and condemning people. There are consequences. It's not a neutral bit of territory. It's contested and there are consequences. Now, if you read something um, like Psychology Today, there's, here's a little snippet of some science on unforgiveness that um, has been posted in Psychology Today. Holding on to hurts, grudges, annoyances, pet peeves, or old wounds hurts the body. <clears throat> Stress from revenge or hateful thoughts compromises the immune system, leaving you more vulnerable to illness, even gum disease. What? People who are able to forgive can actually modify their heart rate, lower their blood pressure, decrease physical pain, and even relieve their depression. How interesting. Now, obviously, there's, you know, that's a kind of a whole area of, of um, research that some people have looked into that indicates that we're connected. Our emotional lives, our mental lives are connected to our physical bodies. And maybe it's not a surprise to you because maybe you are aware of there are certain people, somebody once said to me, if there are certain people that when you think of them, you feel a ping, do you know what I mean? You know, a sense of, of connection that is a little bit painful. And you might be aware that it can have, you can have quite a physical reaction to something like that. C.S. Lewis says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they actually have something to forgive. It's so true, isn't it? We think the concept's great, but when you're actually living in a situation where you have to forgive someone, it feels like a different matter altogether. I'm just going to get Ros up here, who I often get up when I come here, I know, but <laughs> we do a lot of talking and praying together. And Ros has been on this huge journey around forgiveness, as you will know, because she shared her testimony a few times. But <clears throat> this is a little bit of um, her story around just the subject of forgiveness and the journey that she's been on it. So I think you're going to sort of read it out, aren't you? But yep, there you go. Thank you. Morning, all. Um, as I was lying in bed this morning, thinking about this testimony this morning, I finally worked out where, why I've never reached the dizzy heights of being over five foot tall. <laughs> the weight of my bags has been so heavy and has stunted my growth for pretty much the whole of my life. 
Last week, when Rachel was talking about sin, she used the analogy of carrying a heavy rucksack on her back. I could so relate to that and think I have been carrying such a bag probably since about the age of four. But because I've had it so long, it was utterly stuffed. So much that I ended up carrying a rucksack on my front too, stuffed full of the sins of others. And what this uh, picture portrays, I think, is one of being almost invisible, as these heavy big bags were hiding most of my under five foot self. Two years ago, uh, following the wholeness course, I was prompted to think about and talk about the sin in these bags and go on a journey of forgiveness. In principle, I thought, well, that's a good idea. In practice, so much more difficult. In part, I think it was because I was only just starting on my journey of faith and didn't really fully understand the concept of forgiveness. And in part because for almost the whole of my life, these bags were so attached to me, molded to my shape, and to give them away felt like a great vulnerability as I didn't know what shape I was underneath. At that time, any vulnerability felt precarious and threatening. Anyway, I embarked upon a prayer of forgiveness for my dad. I did my homework and made a note of all the things that had caused me pain and damage, and I was guided and prompted through a prayer of forgiveness. I did it, but in honesty, not much changed, and the bags were still firmly attached to me, and they were still not five foot. Maybe 18 months later, uh, in the autumn of last year, I prayed the prayer of forgiveness again. Same issues, same bags, but this time something extraordinary happened. I was praying, and as I was speaking about the sin of my parents, you know, I was feeling upset because it was hurtful to remember what they had been like. There was so much hurt and damage. But it was okay. It was entirely manageable for me. And the other thing was that I felt unbelievably sick. And I didn't know why. Um, But I'm surprised that I didn't actually vomit all over Claire's floor at that time. I, I, I didn't entirely understand that feeling. But Claire said to me, sometimes there's a spiritual battle going on over forgiveness that can really churn you up inside. As we prayed, it was like the buckles of my rucksack, which were so rusty and stuck, having not been moved for years, had been oiled, and something started to loosen and undo. Anyway, I left the prayer session and went home, and I felt okay emotionally, not so, much, not so different really, but I continued to feel unbelievably nauseous for about another two hours, and that was pretty much it until the next morning. I got up the next morning and immediately thought, my front rucksack, what's happened? It's completely changed shape and it's so much lighter. I felt, and still feel months later, that that prayer of forgiveness was life-changing as it showed me so clearly the grace of God and has enabled me to leave that part of my history behind. It no longer defines who I am or what I think. I remember my mum and dad now with 
fear, not with fear and disappointment, but with an understanding uh, of their own sin struggles, which can be forgiven. That morning, I began to understand that God was entirely and utterly willing to empty my bag, and I felt free. You know, I still may not be over five foot, but like with these boots I have on today, I have been lifted and now I am taller. Very good. Thank you so much. You know, thanks, Ross. Our journeys around forgiveness are not, um, they're not, they're not trivial. You know, some things that we need to forgive people for are a little bit, but um, often it wanders into this realm of great pain and suffering that we've experienced in our lives. And maybe sometimes we become a bit detached over the years. And I know that Ros, Ros would say that for many years she'd sort of lost sort of contact with that original pain. And she just thought, this is me. Bit of a shut down person, quite tough. And it wasn't until actually she started to encounter God's love and compassion for her that something began to open up. But I just want to say that it's, um, it can be a painful area. We're going to read a short passage from the teaching of Jesus about forgiveness. Let's have a look at this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And in Luke, this reading as well, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And that is a a tall order, I think. So here are three little perspectives on helping us move towards forgiveness that I think you see in the teaching of Jesus there. And the first thing is that forgiveness is always hard. And Jesus is acknowledging it. He's saying, you've heard it said, love your neighbor hate your enemy. He's saying this is the word going round. This is the normal way of things. This is what everyone says. This is how normal people behave. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. You've heard it said. It's as if he's saying um, the most normal thing in the world is to love those that love you and hate those that hate you. That's just the way of it. And it's almost like he's saying it's your instinct. You're wired to do that. And maybe you can see it in yourself, a sense of, you know, what is it like when somebody hurts you? You know, maybe you can think of somebody in the last year or so that has said something to you that hurts you, somebody in your family, a colleague at work, a friend, or something like that, where actually you can remember this feeling of hurt and your instinct, what is your instinct? It is to withdraw, to shut down, and actually to feel angry and maybe even hate them. And you can feel very, very justified 
because it feels natural to do that and to stay in that place. Um, but Jesus is sort of saying your instincts aren't necessarily what, what you need to be listening to here. The other thing he says is he says this thing about God causes the sun and the rain to come down on the righteous, the unrighteous, the wicked and the good, the evil people and the, the good people. And I think that he's saying here, injustice happens and it looks unjust. And do you know something? I think this is the second vulnerability that we have around forgiveness. The first is that it hurts. It's in the territory of hurt. And the second is in the territory of injustice. Who's ever felt that sense of it's not okay for them to get off with this? You know, to do something to me, maybe somebody at work who has in some way undermined you or a family member, and it looks like they're getting off scot-free. And it is really painful to be in that dynamic, to be stuck in it and feel like, who is looking out for me? Who is actually speaking up for me? How come they get to be like that and no one is bringing me justice? Those two things, hurt and injustice, are big challenges around the command by Jesus to forgive. Because it is a command. It's not a choice. It's a command. How do we get past these things? Second perspective that Jesus says here is people are going to hurt you. He talks about your enemies. He says you are going to have enemies. Now, maybe you don't use that phrase. Maybe you don't think my mother that criticized me and left me so undermined that I just hate myself is my enemy. Maybe you don't think like that because that's a strong word. But Jesus is essentially saying people will hurt you. And you will have enemies. And not only that, you don't have to convert them into your friends. He's saying you've got to love them as your enemies. Now, that is a tall order, isn't it? In the, in the realm of hurt and injustice, to ask us to love the people who have caused it is a big deal. Why would he do that? And I think that what Jesus is, is acknowledging here in this teaching is that when, if, as people who are hurt, it affects us. We become, it, pe when people hurt us, it actually shapes us. It's like Ros was saying, that she was shaped in her whole life by the things that had happened to her, like rucksacks stuck on her. And she barely could tell where she started and this, this reaction ended. It became so fused to who she was that she didn't really know herself other than this person who was living in reaction to the things. And I think we all are in that same place. All of us have got things that have been done to us. And when something is done to us that is hurtful, we react. One of the things that we do instinctively is put a wall up. Just acknowledge to me quietly, like with a quiet hand, if you've ever felt like when somebody's hurt you, just felt a bit with, like withdrawing, shutting them out. Who's ever felt that experience? Most of you. It's like a totally instinctive reaction. And if you go with it, it gets stronger. And actually, you can become very numb around certain relationships because you're afraid that they're going to hurt you. It's such an instinct. And those instincts can become defining. So how is it for you? Are there some relationships that have actually really shaped you? so that you're a bit numb. Maybe you find it hard to love. Maybe you find it hard to trust people. 
Have you ever said that about yourself? You know, I find it really hard to let my guard down. Maybe one of the reasons is at some point in your life or at several points in your life, things have happened to you where you've instinctively withdrawn, put the walls up, started to numb yourself. And Jesus here is saying, you know, you're going to have people who hurt you. And I'm calling you into a place of love, not reaction. Love your enemies. And when he's calling us to do that, it's not because he's just like this really hard person who just wants us to do difficult, tricky things. He doesn't want us to be trapped by the rucksacks and the reactions and the walls. He doesn't want us to live that sort of life. He wants us to live a life that is full and abundant. And sometimes we use the analogy, it's a bit like having a bank account where somebody's just withdrawn all the funds from the bank account and left you with the debt. It's a horrible feeling, carrying debt. How are you going to live when you have these debts that are unpaid? And we sometimes say in our wholeness course, which is coming on the 21st of February, by the way, um, that forgiving is a little bit like going to that bank account, finding there's nothing in it to live out of. No funds to give mercy or compassion to the people that have harmed you. And just saying, actually, I'm going to dissolve this bank account. I'm going to ask God to give me the grace to forgive you so I can pay some funds into this bank account and close it because I no longer want to be connected to you by this great debt, this unpaid debt. I don't want that to shape my life anymore. And so choosing to forgive is a little bit like saying to God, okay, this person owes me. They owe me a debt and they cannot pay. But I'm asking you to give me the funds love. It's just what's happened in many of our lives, Ros's life as well, this sense of over that 18 months when she first tried to forgive versus the second time, something was happening in her life, a pouring in of funds from the God who loves her. And then she comes to a place where she can actually give it away. So if you're a bit stuck in the place where there's a bit of a ping between you and a person or part of your life where you feel a bit numb and shaped by those sorts of things, then maybe one of the answers is to forgive. So the third point is, the third perspective, is that when we choose to give mercy, it brings life and freedom. Jesus is saying, be perfect, actually, like your heavenly Father. Can you be perfect? In this teaching, he is saying, it looks like going against the grain. He said, if you love just the people who love you and hate your enemies as the normal thing, instinctive thing to do, is just like being a tax collector. Now, that would have been a very triggering comparison <laughs> for those Jewish people because they were being oppressed by this cruel, abusive regime, the Roman regime, who collected taxes mercilessly. And, you know, unforgiveness is a bit like that in our lives. We can be stuck on its hook, and we cannot get it off it. It's merciless, and it collects on us over and over again. And Jesus is saying, don't be like the tax collectors. Don't be in this dynamic of collecting, but be in unhook yourself from that dynamic. And, and forgiveness is actually a place where freedom is found. And again, just like Ros has experienced in her life, forgiveness in some strange way 
unhooked her from her past so that she could look back on people that had hurt her and no longer feel that sense of that dynamic, that ping. Because when the love of God starts to impact you, when his love comes into your heart and life, you have got the funds. You can be generous. And I just finished with this point that, you know, Jesus says, be merciful. What a powerful word mercy is. Who wants to be under the mercy of God and not under his judgment? Who wants to receive mercy? Mercy is a beautiful trait. Now, do you want to be a merciful person? You know, I think that when we give people mercy, maybe undeserved, maybe they've not repented, maybe they've not changed their mind, maybe they're still actually hurting you, and there's always a case for if somebody's really hurtful or abusive to be able to protect yourself and not be in that dynamic physically. But there's always a place where God will empower us to be merciful. And I think mercy looks like this. It looks like saying, you hurt me. And it was bad what you did. But I choose to give you mercy because you don't get to define who I am. I'm defined by the love and mercy of God. And I choose to give you mercy. Giving undeserved mercy is a God-like trait. And we're called, look <laughs> those lovely children. <laughs> Maybe that's the signal for me to end, it probably is. We're called to be like God. And so I, I'm just going to, um, there's a little prayer of forgiveness up here. That um, This is just a really simple way of praying a prayer of forgiveness. And I think it's really important to acknowledge hurt. It's not something that we brush over, we call it. We say, you hurt me. And it might be really bad. And when we pray a prayer of forgiveness, we say, you hurt me, but I choose to forgive you. I choose to release you from this debt, the bank account, with this aching debt in the red. <laughs> and I choose not to hold it against you, not because you deserve it, but because you haven't got anything to give me. There's nothing in the bank account that you can give me that will heal this. And I hand over to God my right to judge you. I'm not going to be a tax collector collecting on this debt any longer. And I choose to give you mercy today and to bless you. It's a powerful and empowering thing. And sometimes when we've been hurt, hurt really disempowers us and makes us vulnerable. And God says forgive because he wants you to be a powerful person and to give mercy to people who don't deserve it. And so I'm going to pray. God, I thank you that you have got enough grace and compassion and mercy to fill our own bank accounts. You have poured out your love into our hearts, it says in the Bible, by your Holy Spirit. And out of those funds now, I pray that you would take each person here to a place of being able to forgive out of that empowering, grace-filled place to give mercy like you give mercy. So help us on this journey, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.